Sit down, strap in, hang on, and turn it up. Hi, I'm Suzanne Lynn from Z88.3 Afternoons with Suzanne and Shadow. Join my friends Mike, Fritz, and Trish on WGSR, bringing hope, comfort, and encouragement to the world 24 hours a day. Hi there. We here at God Stories Radio are reaching out to you and your business to sponsor us for as little as $10 a month. We need you so that we can continue bringing hope, comfort, and encouragement through the power of the Christian testimony. By your business blessing us monthly, we are able to bless others weekly. To sponsor us, email GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. And you don't have to be a business to be a blessing. Visit GodStoriesRadio.com to donate securely through PayPal. Just press the button. You're listening to the God Stories Radio Podcast with Mike, Fritz, Trish, and Tina. Listen to us live on the Mixler app. Also, be sure to follow us on iHeartRadio and you will never miss an episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome, welcome to God Stories Radio. This is session 133. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. Hey, 133. Man. 133. Man, I couldn't wait to get here tonight. <laughs> It's Thursday night. I always wait for Thursday That it is. That it is. I want to welcome everybody listening on Mixler. Uh, You dialed into a good one tonight. We've got our good buddy in the studio, and he's got a whale of a story. I just know that uh, someone's out there needs to hear what he has to say. Father always sets him up. You got that right. What's going on over there, Mikey? We got some shout-outs? We do have some shout-outs. Our Facebook likes this week. We have Jose... Arambula. Jose, thank you. Thank you, Jose. And then we have Orlando Paz. I know Orlando. Hey, Orlando. <laughs> thanks for right. giving us a like. And then Vicky Vega. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you, Vicky. Thank you, Vicky. Appreciate that. All right. And then the regions that come th- up for this week, we have Rhode Island and a good old U.S. of A. Rhode Yay. Island. Fantastic. And here's a good one. Gansu, China. Wow. wow. China. Very cool. And in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Hey, I've been there. You've been there? I've been been to Kuala Lumpur. I sure have. I didn't say it that good, did I? You did a good job. I think you did pretty good, Mikey. (laughs) I couldn't have pulled that off. That's exciting. Well, welcome to Kuala Lumpur. Uh That is pretty cool. Uh huh. So, how's your week been, guys? Good? Riding the wave. Riding the wave. (laughs) And I've been riding the roller coaster. (laughs) Yeah. Life's a roller coaster. Yes. Yeah, that's another show. Yes. Yeah, really. My goodness. (laughs) So, yeah, just um, I know we got a bunch of prayer requests still. Um, We want to continue to remember AJ. He wasn't at work today. Maybe that was on purpose. I don't know. But just remember him and uh, remember the folks that lost their house last week. Oh, yeah. Claremont. Yeah. And then and, our buddy Paul. And our buddy son, Paul. Right. Was, I still haven't heard anything, but he had to go in for an EEG the other day. His, uh, I think he's only like two or three. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, man. So he, sent, he sent out a text uh, asking for prayers. Okay. I remember that. And uh, Craig. And Craig Craig's Fox. carpet service yeah. uh, up there in, uh, where is he? Uh? Arlington, Washington. Arlington. Washington, Washington. State. Yes, we remember Craig in prayer as well. Power in that prayer. Yes, there is. There is. You betcha. I just want to thank everybody that joins with us in agreement and in prayer with us um, every week. Yes. Because I know there's power out there. I know there's um, a lot of people listening around the world. And when we, uh, two or more, agree. Together, together. You betcha. He's in the midst. Yes. So, well, babe, what's going on over there? Nothing. Um, just, you know, it was a good day today, and I'm grateful for it. Fantastic. Yeah. You know, like I said, I didn't realize, you know, freebies from Chick-fil-A would make you as happy as it does. <laughs> I okay. got an uh, anniversary so gift. So I know, whatnot. right? You bet. You've got it easy. I ain't scared. <laughs> <laughs> I got a free Chick-fil-A mug today. Yes, she did. And it's a travel mug, so I was very excited. And then I also got a couple of free dining coupons, and it was just a great day. I, you know, Chick Fil A made my day. So thank you for Chick Fil A. We right. love you. Oh, are there thousands customer today? Um, no, I just, you know, just went there for lunch with Cat, 
And uh, it's like Pastor Jay says, the stuff's pretty blessed. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I think you're blessed just eating there. Yes. It's like paying a tithe and getting a sandwich for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was dumb. <laughs> but sorry. <laughs> rare form you're always in rare form. oh i know yeah some days are worse than others and on medication (laughs) i should be we're getting him help yeah we're getting some help professional anyway we have got an amazing special guest tonight i'm so glad that he took time to be with us who do we got babe i'm really excited too so we just met arlen very recently uh fritz and i started um leading the singles ministry at Real Life Christian Church. And um, we had the privilege of meeting Arlen, who was involved in that ministry already. And um, it's just been an extreme pleasure to get to know him. And and you'll get to see what I mean as he goes into his testimony. But um, we're just uh, privileged and happy to have him here and happy to be doing life with him. So with no further ado, I give you Arlen Knopfsinger. Welcome, Arlen. Welcome, Arlen. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you all. Pleasure to be here. Uh, my name is Arlen Knopfsinger. I'm from a little town in northwest of Ohio called Wasian. Um, it's a rural um, village, and I was raised Mennonite. It's a very Mennonite community, so everybody kind of knows everybody up there. And I was raised on a poultry farm. We had turkeys and chickens, thousands and thousands of them. So my childhood basically was involved in taking care of chickens and turkeys. Hmm. By the time I was 17, I was a professional mechanic at a local Ford dealership. I was a junior and senior in high school when I worked there. I worked there in the summer and after school during the school year. I had to work till 8, 9 o'clock every evening. Um, During my junior year, my girlfriend's a youth group was going to go see a movie at a local theater uh, that Billy Graham had put out called The Restless Ones. Uh, it starred Johnny Crawford and Natalie Wood. Because I had to work at the dealership, I agreed to meet her there after work. And so uh, she went with her youth group and sat somewhere in a the theater. And when I got there, the movie was just starting and it was all dark, so I just slipped into the back. Uh, by the time I watched the movie at the back, and at the end of the movie, they gave an honor call to come forward and get get uh, saved to meet Jesus. So I went forward, and at that movie theater, I got I met Jesus and got salvation. Um, and uh, at the theater, at a theater, no way. Yeah, Billy Graham. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So, that's great. Anyway, so I never did. See my girlfriend that night or at the theater, so she thought she, I blew her off. So I went by her house, and once I explained to her what had happened, she was okay with that. Well, we got married in uh, Church of Christ, and um, and uh, at nineteen, and I was still a mechanic, but at the church they put me in, elected me in as a deacon when I was 20. And I thought inside my heart, I thought, my goodness, they made me a deacon. I ought to someday learn what the Bible has to say because I'm a deacon in this church. Up until that time, at that point, my involvement in the church was being on the church softball team, being on a church bowling team. And uh, there's good ministry in those church <laughs> softball teams. Yeah. <laughs> I've played many a year on yeah. one. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know it. Yeah. Well, so I progressed through the ranks at the Ford dealership up through being a, a car salesman. So everything was going fine um, up until when gas went from 30 cents to 60 cents. And we had a front row full of T-Birds and Lincolns. And all we were selling were Pinos. So <laughs> things, things weren't going very good. I had a, a wife and a daughter, a real small daughter, young daughter. What year would you say that was, Arlen? That was 70s. 73, 74. That's exactly what I was going to say, 73. Yeah, 73, 74. So it, in the meantime, a Baptist preacher moved in next door to my wife, and some of his congregation moved in on the other side of us. And they were talking and talking to my wife, and she got convicted, well, uh, she 
one night I was supposed to go to a church softball game, and she begged me and begged me not to go to come to one of their Bible studies. So I gave in and went to one of their Bible studies. All of a sudden I was hearing words like tribulation, rapture, ten toes of Daniel, <laughs> um, Bible prophecy, and I, that was intrigued. I, I was totally intrigued by it. Through all of that, I started attending that fellowship, and I re that's when I made Jesus Christ Lord of my life. And I had gotten saved under Billy Graham's ministry at the movie, but Jesus was never Lord of my life. And through all that, I made Christ Lord of my life. And I started tithing. And guess what? Imagine that. <laughs> I went from not selling any cars to having my own business. It was my childhood dream to have my own gas station. And at 21 years old, I had my own business. I was on gas station. I uh, had a brand new house, brand new car, brand new truck, also brand new furniture. And when I had my gas station, I had three employees that were starting to be pastors and they were going to seminary. They go all week and work for me in the evenings pumping gas. And then every Wednesday night for two years, we'd have a Bible study at my house and they would teach me everything that they learned in seminary. These three guys shared everything they learned. So it was like I went to seminary, even though <laughs> I didn't go to seminary. <laughs> I love it. Did you catch that? That they pumped the gas? <laughs> I yeah, sure that did. was. I we sure did. I, I didn't service. miss that at all. We were a full service gas station. We had the first self serve island in town, and everybody thought that is not going to fly. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I worked at a Sunoco part time too back in the day. Yeah. Still that way in New yeah. Jersey, isn't it? You, you, you can't pump yeah. your own gas. Yeah. So I, at 25, I had everything that this world had to offer, all that stuff. And I realized that when you stand before God, it's not, what did you accumulate? Mm -hmm. Did you win the Indy 500? Did you win the Super Bowl? It's what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? So God had given me an amazing talent, and I purposed in my heart to use that talent to glorify him. My daughter by that time was about school age and we wanted to put her in a private Christian school. And we had been to Colorado on vacation, so we thought, let's move to Colorado. Maybe we'll so I got a list of all the Christian schools in the state of Colorado and I hopped on an airplane and I flew to Colorado and visited every single one of them. Yeah. God had closed the door on Colorado. Uh. so. So after that, I answered a, I saw an ad in a Christian periodical that said, Christian bus mechanic wanted, but it didn't say where. So I sent my resume off to this periodical, not knowing where it was going. One night when going out the door on the way to a Sunday school class party, <laughs> uh, a phone rang and it was the man on the other end was the one that had placed the ad. And I asked him, where's this at? He said, Anderson, Indiana. Well, Anderson, Indiana was northern Indiana. I was in northern Ohio. It's just like moving across the street. More, <laughs> more cornfields, cornfield after cornfield. So I said, well, I don't know if I'm interested or not. I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. But I pretty much had forgotten about it. So about a month later, I got a phone call. Um, and he said, I have a whole stack of resumes and yours outshines the rest. I said, I will pay for you and your wife to come out here and spend the day with me and check it out. So I agreed to do that. And so I had a bright, shiny new Trans Am at the time, but I thought, why am I going to drive this shiny new Trans Am out looking for a job to be a Christian bus mechanic? <laughs> so I drove my truck. <laughs> so it was about three hours away. Um, down the interstate and um, I spent the day with him and my wife and daughter spent the day with his wife so on the way home my wife turned to me and said we're moving aren't we and I said yes we are so 
packed up my house. We sold the house, brand new house, shut down my business, packed everything in an old school bus and headed down the highway and moved into a mobile home and went to work for this man uh, running his business. He sold church buses and also took care of 12 Sunday morning buses that hauled kids to Sunday school. So uh, I was now the bus mechanic for the church. I worked for the man. I lived in a mobile home, and after moving out of a new house into a mobile home, it wasn't the greatest. So I bought eight acres of woods and decided to build a new house. By the time I did that, the the man and I kind of didn't see eye to eye, and we split or went different ways. And so I opened my foreign car business, repair business, up again, and God blessed me. Um, uh, so I was still the church bus mechanic and uh, took care of all the buses. We started a puppet ministry in the church, uh, was always involved in, in ministry. Um, I took care of a lot of traveling evangelists, preachers would come, guest speakers, whatever. I would always take care of their cars. Anybody that was like single mothers or whatever, you know, God gave me this talent. I was still serving God. Then one of my closest friends was a, a traveling evangelist named Dr. Ron Comfort. He had come to the church on several occasions speaking. And one thing that he had said, we'll never forget, he had just gotten back from a mission trip. And he said that missionaries spend 95% of their time doing non-missionary things and 5% of their time doing missionaries. What they need is somebody to come and do the non-missionary stuff so they can be missionaries. And I thought in my head, well, I can't move to a foreign country, learn the language and, and teach the Bible and convert people. But I know I can take care of that 95% of the stuff. I knew that I could do that. You know what I love about his um, recount? It's just sort of like you kind of walk through time with him. You know, as he keeps letting you know the story and and the time and the age, it's sort of like you get to kind of shadow along with him as he tells his story. And then another thing that I really liked that he said was when he was talking about when he got saved, you know, the day of his salvation versus the day Jesus became Lord of his yes. life. Yeah, big difference in getting saved and then mm -hmm. making yes. him the Lord of your life, that's for sure. And I think a lot of people think that those two things are always synonymous with each other and they're really not. Yeah. No. Because I know I can I can recount, you know, when I got my salvation and I can recount the very day that Jesus became Lord of my life and I started living my life differently. Well, yeah, that's a maturity issue. You know, that's uh, when we grow up, get off that milk. Absolutely. Yeah. Get into but the meat. What happens is when you try to change the world for Christ, you become a real target of Satan. And oh, yeah. And so, Is that a mouthful yeah, there, Arlen? Yeah, well, I became a target, and I went through major shipwreck in my marriage. I was devastated. Satan destroyed my marriage, and the only thing that really got through me was listening to Christian music on the radio like like, like what we listen to here. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing that really got to me. And finally, I got slowly got my life back to uh, track on God with God, and I was single seven years until God sent me my second wife. Uh, and uh, so, but I've always had in the back of my mind this love for racing. I wanted to get into professional racing, and she, my second wife, kind of uh, pushed me in that way. I'd been a, had a successful business for 25 years, and um, she kind of pushed me into racing. I raced uh, USAC sprint cars with uh, the likes of Tony Stewart and Ryman Newman back when they were still racing sprint cars. And I had just enough money to go to either the last race of the season or 
to NASCAR and pursue that dream of racing in NASCAR. I was very successful running in the USAC series in the sprint cars. So we, I decided to go to NASCAR and look for a job. So I went to NASCAR and I found a position. So I came back to Indiana and I had to sell. I sold my condo, a building lot, a commercial building, three race cars, mm-hmm. a complete race team and all the support equipment, a tractor and a trailer to haul the race cars. I bought a pickup and a, a, a enclosed trailer to move all my stuff to North Carolina and was on the road in 10 days. I felt like God wanted me to move to North Carolina. So I was very successful when I got in North Carolina. I was on uh, a, a, a craftsman truck team. I worked in a few engine shops and uh, uh, did very well. Um, I met a wealthy man from Florida. Uh, I, I believe, looking back, God wanted me to move to Florida, but he moved me to Charlotte before he could move me to Florida because there I met a very wealthy man that was in a race car or owned a race car, and I ran the team. We won 21 or 17 out of 21 races, and uh, so he wanted his. He lived in Florida, so he wanted his team in Florida, so he moved me to Florida. Um, what happened is um, he, his wife had never watched him race, so because we were at Daytona, she thought she would come and watch him race, and he drove right into the wall all by himself. <laughs> Oh, so, man. So here's this wealthy man that wrecked his car right in front of his wife, and she said, honey, sell the race car. <laughs> that was kind of it for the race car. <laughs> so I had the responsibility of selling off all the assets of the race team, which put me into another business, was buying and selling race car parts. Um, <laughs> but uh, I still wasn't where God wanted me to be, um, but uh, I was very successful at um, buying and selling race car, building engines. I've won a lot of local track championship with engines and being a crew chief uh, and whatever. But that was all on the weekends. Um, so um, not being where I wanted to be, uh, major uh, at that time, Enron. MCIWorld.com er, and 9-11 destroyed the economy. All of my customers lost all their money and some of them even lost their jobs. Racing died in the state of Florida. So I went to my wife and I said, honey, I'm broke. And she said, honey, I'm leaving. Yeah. So I had just lost all my business and now I just lost my marriage. I was devastated. Um, I hadn't been, wasn't part of a church, so all the only people I knew in the whole state of Florida were customers, so I moved into a customer's spare bedroom that didn't have any heat in the winter and no AC in the summer. Uh, I had a friend uh, as a, that I met in racing that gave me a job working for Mobile Express Lubes. I went around the state of Florida and remodeled Mobile Express Lubes. Uh, my divorce was really nasty. Um, found out that she, because I was going on the weekends, she was having an affair. So can't really blame her for what it was, but she thought we had a lot of assets. We didn't. To pay for my divorce attorney, I had to restore her 64 Mustang. That's how I paid for my attorney. <laughs> so by the time I got back on my feet and I wanted to move out of the spare bedroom, uh, uh, a couple from a, a local church called Seminole Community Church, um, uh, they were getting married and they gave me all their spare extra furniture. They combined two households and so I got all their excess furniture and I got a place of my own finally. Um, so I agreed that I would go visit their church. So I finally got around to go and visit on Seminole Community Church and I felt a home there. Well, it just so happens to turn out that all the new tribes missionaries, when they're home on furlough or working for new tribes, attended Seminole Community Church. And they were supporting a mission in Haiti 
and they were sending teams down there um you know to work in the you know the, the church that they were supporting down there i had remembered what dr ron comfort had said about missionaries needing doing 95 percent of non-missionary work so i thought i can use my talent that god has given me to go to haiti and do the 95 percent of the stuff and so i called ahead and found out that um, they needed generators fixed so they had lined up the generators the pastor told me he said gee arlen you're the first one going to haiti that knows what you're going to do when you get there yeah. so um, i raised the money to go to haiti and I took some tools with me and all the way down there, I was sweating and fretting and worrying about getting $600 worth of tools through customs because I didn't have any money to pay for any duty or customs that was going to to get in there. So we get into the customs room and the guy is, I'm sitting there worrying and fretting and sweating and the guy comes over and kicks my toolbox while he wanted me to open it up. Well, at that instant, someone across the room hollered at him, and he turned his head. And at that moment, one of the local pastors was watching. He reached down and snatched out, snatched out uh, the toolbox. And while the custom agent has turned his head, and the toolbox was gone. Oh no! So the guy turns around and. He forgot what he was doing and he went on. So I had just gotten my toolbox in with not having to pay anything. So when I, when we got to the mission, I wasn't expecting or didn't totally get what I was gonna see when I got to Haiti. To me, it was devastation. It looked like bombed out Europe after World War II. People were standing along the road with nothing to do, watching these white American people ride by in the back of a pickup truck, trying to, one woman tried giving me her baby to come to America. Another lady asked to marry me. Yeah. It, it was, it, <laughs> I was in shock. But when we got to the mission, the next day, the whole team went out to the church to do the work, but I set up a little shop in the back at the main mission under a mango tree by putting some sawhorses down and some plywood on and started to fix generators. One generator in particular was this really nice expensive Honda generator that just didn't run. It just did not run right. I could tell that someone had spent a lot of money buying a really nice generator and it just did not run. So I cleaned the carburetor and cleaned the tank, put a little bit of fresh gas in it and got it running perfect, just like it was, so brand new. Um, another generator I worked on, I needed a needle and seat. Well, in Haiti, they just don't have parts stores, so you just can't go get a needle and seat for a Briggs and Stratton generator. And so I took the uh, ballpoint out of a big ballpoint pen and made a needle and seat for the carburetor and made this crazy generator run yes wow there's a macgyver yeah so anyway you had to be a macgyver type to do what i did in haiti because they just don't have parts stores i have enough parts in my toolbox that i could probably open a parts store in haiti it's just that bad so the generator's all set that was on a saturday so sunday morning we load the generator up to take out to this church and I'm all excited because everybody's expecting this really nice, fancy Honda generator to, to run. So we stopped at a Texaco gas station out in the middle of absolutely nowhere. It looked like it wasn't even open, but it was the local gas station. It was so cruddy and dirty. We filled the generator up with their gas and took it out to the church. And everybody's standing around, probably the whole congregation, 150 plus people, hey, here's this generator, because they haven't had electricity and because this generator just didn't run. I fired it up. It ran absolutely fabulous. I mean, it ran perfect for about two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and what happened is that gas that we got 
had been cut with diesel fuel because diesel fuel is so cheap in the country of Haiti that there's so many crooks down there that they cut the gas with diesel fuel. Uh-huh. And it just went back to running like it did before. I, I was embarrassed. You know, I didn't know what to do, but God told me an important lesson. Diesel is the way to go. So when I got back to the United States, I started looking for diesel generators. Well, there just aren't very many available, and they're very, very expensive mm-hmm. because they didn't hear about it. So in my business, I, re- I, I build and restore expensive cars for wealthy clients. I had a client that was building a very expensive Mustang, and he was going to the, the SEMA show in Las Vegas and was going to buy parts for this Mustang. So he thought he knew what he was doing, so he got out there. And he looked around, and he didn't have a clue what he needed, so he called me and asked if I'd fly out there. So he arranged the flight. I flew to Las Vegas and went to the SEMA show. The SEMA show is basically a a big convention of vendors that sell to the custom car market. And so he put me up at the Bellagio restaurant or uh, Mm -hmm. hotel, the one that's got the dancing fountains out front Mm -hmm. and whatever, and I proceeded to go to the SEMA show with him and pick out all these parts for the car. And so, but in my mind, God sent me to Vegas. I don't know why I was going to Vegas. Uh, it seemed like such a simple thing, but I told my business partner that God is sending me to Vegas. And I don't know why, but God is sending me to Vegas. So, because he arranged the flight after his flight, I had to stay an extra day in Vegas. So he flew back, and so I was in Vegas and at the hotel, and it was a $20 taxi drive right out to the convention center, and I said, I don't want to waste $20, so I decided to walk. So I went out to the SEMA show, and I pretty much saw everything, so I thought, well, I'll walk back. Well, Vegas has quite a few convention centers, and there was another convention center there that was... um, their convention was having automotive products from from the world or for the world or whatever. So there was about an hour left in the show, and uh, I walked in, and it was basically the Chinese trying to sell their Chinese-made parts to the American market. And I called my buddy again. I said, man, I'm in Vegas, but I just don't know why I'm in Vegas. So I hung up the phone from him and walked about another 30 feet, and I saw a bunch of generators sitting on the floor. So, wow, generators. So I walked up to the man, put my foot up on a generator, and said, you got any diesel generators? <laughs> and he says, well, you got your foot on one right now. And I, oh, okay. And I said, uh, how many diesel generators you got? And he said, how many do you need? <laughs> and I said, well, maybe quite a few. I don't know. And he said, well, I have a whole um, container full of diesel generators. Okay. So then I told him the story about the Honda generator and us needing diesel generators. Now, this is really hard for me to say because I get choked up. He looked at me and he said, me and my brother just got back from Honduras on a mission trip. We will help you get all the generators that you need to Haiti. We will sell them to you at our cost. And I was floored. So I went over and sat down, probably crying, called my buddy. I said, I just found out why I got sent to Las Vegas. And I kind of told him the story. So now... He was going to sell us diesel generators for Haiti. We found the diesel generators. So now I get back and we decide, well, we don't have any money to buy diesel generators. We needed $3,200 to buy five diesel generators that were probably worth $20,000. And so one of the guys, local guys in the church that my buddy was doing some part-time work for said, well, I know you guys don't have any money. I'll just loan you the money. So he loaned us $3,200 to buy the generators. So we had $3,200, but the problem was we're in Florida. The generators are in North Carolina. So we were having Monday night's men's prayer um, Bible study every Monday night where we would, you know, have fellowship and Bible study, then watch the first half of the Monday night football game at church. And one of the guys in the group said, he said, where are they at? And I said, well, the town in North Carolina. He said, well, that's where I'm from. I'll just pick them up for you. When I'm up there at Christmas time, I'll just drag my trailer and bring them back. Well, he did that. So now I have 
five diesel generators sitting in my shop in Sanford. So far, I haven't spent a nickel. I got paid to go to Vegas. <laughs> got somebody to pay. Well, That's well, how the thought rolls, man. Mm-hmm. And so then uh, I got them to uh, took them to Missionary Flights International. Got the people in Haiti to pay for the flight or the shipping, and through customs, I followed them down there. And then uh, in the meantime, the guy that loaned us the thirty-two hundred dollars said. Well, the Lord has really blessed my business. You guys just keep the money. I don't. You didn't need to pay the money back, so we didn't have to pay for the generators. Wow! So we got to Haiti and tried to get five diesel generators that are all shiny and new through customs. And generators are like gold in a country that don't have electricity. And uh, they tried stealing one at the airport, but God prevailed, and we got got them through customs. So. That's how I got five diesel generators to Haiti with no money, without spending a dime. God's will, it's yeah. God's bill. So I always say. On the next trip that I went, I got to see how God used one of my diesel generators. We went to a little town, a little village. I don't know. The guy I was with turned off the road and said, "We got to go 20 miles down this road." Well, it wasn't a road. It was more like this, more like the path that. We sent the cows out when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, there were mud puddles, and he had a little four-wheel drive Toyota pickup locked in four-wheel drive, and we had to go 20 miles of that. So we get there, and here the mission had built the church there and a school, and here's my generator sitting out in the front yard. They What the, they did is they got electricity. The town had never had electricity at the church compound they put a pole up with a light on and they fired up the generator and the people came out of the bushes to the church and so what my buddy or my friend in Haiti the mission did is every place they put a church they put a well and a generator and so people would come to get water and to get electricity and uh, And to get some Jesus yeah amen to that so, he's the light so, of the world, you bet. and he's uh-huh. the living water, yeah. so it makes yeah. sense. So since then, um, I've been to Haiti five times. I haven't even been there since they had uh, the, um, the earthquake, but I have a friend there that I'm in contact uh, with. He, in fact, he called me today. I told him about my car that I bought. He was all excited. Um, we've when I met him when I first went there we became instant friends he's very smart man has a very mechanical engineering type brain and so we just kind of hit it off but I have um, he's him and his wife started one church every year for 22 years and there's 22 churches there Wow! so I supply all their musical instruments all their generators vehicles I've even set sent an ambulance down there we rebuilt a hospital down there or a building into a hospital sent one of the local boys to new york city to become an emt so we basically created the first emergency room in a small village in the middle of haiti um but i've sent uh, keyboards uh generators vehicles and whatever and i i go uh, to swap meets and uh, flea markets and garage sales and i have this line i say i tell them i supply all, all the musical instruments for 22 churches in haiti how much would you take for this guitar knowing that it was going to a church in haiti a lot of times i get a reduced price sometimes they give them to me sometimes they stand firm on their price but that's the kind of the line i use and i want to close my testimony with this um I'm from Northwest Ohio and part of a Mennonite church. And the church is basically all family because everybody knows everybody. My mother, the church gave my mother an 80th birthday party. That was 12 years ago. She's 92 now. But when I went, I was in Florida. I went to the, drove up there and went to the party or to the church service, and everybody was coming up to me. You know, your mother still d- delivers sermon tapes to the shut-ins, and she's 80 years old. Three or four people came up to me. Well, they had this great, big, wonderful party. The whole church turned out, and at the end of it, it was just my mother and my sister sitting around talking. And I, and I said, hey, Mom. I said, everybody's telling me that you still 
deliver sermon tapes to the shut-ins. And she looked right at me and said, anybody can do what I do. And that's how I want to end my testimony. Anybody can do what I do. You just do it. It was no big deal for her, and it's no big deal what I do. Anybody can do what I do. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Thank you, Arlen. Thank you. My goodness. That's amazing. He came in here with like... uh, 16 pages of notes. Pretty much. I'm looking at page 11, and he and only he, went as far uh, as five, and then he didn't use them. As like, usual. like everyone else, he always, you know, God yeah. always has them touch on what's important. Yeah. Uh huh. You know, yeah. he got to shuffling the yeah. papers around. Finally, he said, forget it. Yeah. I'm just going to talk. Yeah. Well, there's um, a lot of things that uh, God has allowed me to see and be a part of. Um, I've teamed up with other missions of people that have been down there when I was there. Uh, one guy came to me and said, Arlen, we have a three-foot-wide path that goes down a mountain, up a mountain, down another mountain, and up to the next mountain. And right there we have a garden up there. And we're taking an irrigation system, but we need a cart that can't be any more than three feet wide, hand-powered to get that there. So I built a cart, but it couldn't have pneumatic tires because there's no way of blowing up a, a, a pneumatic tire. So I had to go to Mount Dora to the antique place and find some old steel wheels off of old wheelbarrows <laughs> to put on this cart. And it made it, well then the cart, I knew I went to uh, Tractor Supply and bought this cart, but it just didn't seem heavy enough. So I reinforced it and I put wheelbarrow handles on it so people could push it. And it was quite the thing. But he sent me back a picture after they got the uh, after they got the irrigation system there. Um, they started using the cart. They were mixing concrete in it and using it to pour concrete. And he, so he sent me a picture of them using <laughs> it to pour concrete. And then the same village was renting a plow from one of the villagers and had to pay rent. And so they created this one acre farm or garden to feed the village and it put seven men to work that never had a job. And so this this garden supplied food for the village and I thought, renting a plow? I'll just make a plow. So I researched plows oxen drawn plows they sent me a picture of this ox pulling this plow so they already had a cart to transport so i built two different designs of plows and uh, tested them out behind a tractor in a field they seemed to work i didn't have an ox to pull them with but i sent them down there i said now they don't have to rent they got their own plow so that's what i do that's the talent god has given me praise the lord wow and you're using it in the right direction my friend absolutely yeah that's fantastic it really is that's a true gift it's a true and using it for jesus amen Mm -hmm. to that Mm -hmm. wow thank you uh so much arlen for coming and sharing that Uh, as we always say i know that someone or someone's out there oh absolutely needed to hear what you had to say and we appreciate that and if you have something to say which i know you do you're listening to me out there you've got a testimony too and if the lord is uh, pricking your heart to share it we want to have you on now you don't have to come in person you could write it and send it to godstoriesradio at gmail.com or you can come in person such as uh what arlen did we'd love to love to have you sitting here it's always more fun and we also have the capability of a phone call you can phone us we can uh, do a call in and you can give your testimony right from the comfort of your own home or garage or car or we've had people give testimonies from everywhere <laughs> they just try to get where it's quiet you know we had a lady a couple of weeks ago there was a train going by I think. <laughs> she said well i'm sitting out in my car <laughs> so uh anyway you know you don't you don't have to be perfect we're all flawed we've all got stories and uh but father wants your story to go out to those out there that need to hear it amen to that yes. amen to that and uh, be sure and uh, like us on Facebook, God Stories Radio. And, and if you listen to us on iHeartRadio, please follow us on iHeartRadio. Yes, iHeartRadio. If you follow us and you'll never miss an episode, you can also uh, follow us on Mixler. 
Um, and then uh, you'll always be notified when we're live. And we have a lot of, of faithful followers on Mixler, and we just love it that we're connecting with people all over the world. And uh, it's just really exciting. It's not us. It's it's the Father, and uh, Absolutely. we're just stewards of what he's doing, and we just sit Amen. back and just marvel. <laughs> you know, four years ago, we started in my kitchen, right? and now we're in 62 countries, and it's just amazing. 133 sessions yep 133 sessions arland is 133 mean anything to you not really not really no, well I, always, that's my show now number 133 correct well yeah we always ask because sometimes yeah. the uh session numbers coincide with something special for the guest no. and three plus three plus one equals seven yeah, yeah, yeah right? there we go ah, there we go there you go i just remember that everybody that wants to listen to my testimony i can tell them it's 133 133 they can mm -hmm. find it they can go on com and just click the listen to the testimonies tab it'll take you right there and you'll be on the top for uh, at least a week, a week. Yep. Mm -hmm. until 134. But uh, you can uh, go there and listen. You can listen on iHeartRadio, Spreaker Radio, Stitcher Radio, iTunes. And so we're just blessed. We're just out there, and we thank the Lord uh, for everything he's doing. So, And we thank you guys, um, and uh, we'll continue to remember all the prayer requests. And if you guys will remember those with us as well, we'd greatly appreciate it. Yes. All right. What a blast. That about wraps it up for session 133. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Tina. God bless. God bless. God bless. Through the long dark night Out on the open sea By faith alone, sight unknown, and yet his eyes watching me. The anchor holds, though the ship. The anchor holds, though the sails are torn. I'll fall and on my knees as I face the raging sea. But the anchor holds In spite of the storm I've had vision I've had dreams Well, I've even heard But I never knew Those dreams could slip right through Like they were only Grains of sand Oh, the anchor hold Though the ship In spite of the storm
Lord, I mean. How many of you have been through the storms of life? 